When we speak with people in poverty about their daily experience of being poor, they do refer, of course, to low incomes, to the lack of uh, access to decent work. But they also speak about humiliation, about social maltreatment, about institutional maltreatment by social services and public administrations. In other terms, they speak about what ATD Fourth World calls the hidden dimensions of poverty. All these negative stereotypes and humiliations that they have to face on a daily basis. Being poor is not simply having insufficient incomes to buy the goods and services that allow you to lead a decent life. It is also being stigmatized. It is being looked down upon. It is being discriminated against in access to employment, housing, healthcare, and education. And that is also what people in poverty say when asked about uh, their experience of poverty. You have indicated that eradicating poverty requires building inclusive society that move from a charity approach to a rights-based empowerment approach. How would you describe this approach? In many countries, support going to people in poverty uh, takes the form of ad hoc cash transfer systems providing people with some level of support to avoid them falling into extreme poverty. But these schemes are sometimes temporary. They do not provide people with entitlements they may claim before independent institutions. They are poorly financed. Usually the budgets available are insufficient to really cover the needs of all the population. And the targeting of these measures is sometimes very poor. Many people living in extreme poverty, in fact, do not have access to social protection because they face a number of obstacles, including not being registered in social registries, not being informed about their rights, not being able to fill in forms online. And as a result, those measures do not benefit the very people that should be supported by social protection. In other terms, as long as we remain in an approach to tackling poverty that is based on charity from the state... And as long as we don't recognize that states have duties towards people in poverty who themselves are rights holders, we will fail to effectively address poverty. Poverty should be seen as a violation of human rights and people in poverty should have access to recourse mechanisms if they are excluded from housing, from education, from access to jobs on a non-discriminatory basis or indeed from social protection. And in many countries, this is difficult or even impossible to achieve. This is why my most recent report presented um, to the General Assembly of the UN is about protecting people in poverty from povertyism, from the negative stereotypes that affect them, the discrimination that they are um, uh, facing in areas such as employment, housing or education. Talking about uh, banning povertyism the same way than racism and sexism. Indeed, for many years we have recognized that racism, sexism, trans or homophobia should be outlawed, should be prohibited in legislation because they have no place in our world. Well, the same should be said about povertyism. In other terms, the, the negative treatment of people in poverty who are discriminated against simply because they live on low incomes, because they don't have the cultural codes, because they don't dress well, because they have the wrong accent, these are the indicators of poverty that very often lead employers not to recruit people, landlords not to rent their apartment to people in poverty, or that lead um, school teachers 
or um, um, or school directors to exclude certain pupils from their classes or from their institutions. And so uh, the report is about those many faces of discrimination that people in poverty face. One of the uh, main topics that uh, you agree with the, with the new director general of the ILO, you advocate for social justice. Is this possible in a world of growing inequality? It is possible to do much more against poverty and to do much more for social justice. But we need to acknowledge that low-income countries in particular have to be helped. A calculation of the ILO is that the financing gap to cover all people living in low-income countries, some 711 million people, with the full range of social protection flaws, that financing gap is equivalent to about 79 billion US dollars per year. That is the equivalent of 15.9% of the GDP of these low-income countries. That is impossible for them to achieve. Um, however, these 79 billion US dollars uh, represent just half the total official development assistance provided by OECD countries to developing countries in the year 2019. So it is achievable if the international community wants to help and decides that social protection should be on the top of the global development agenda. This is why, together with the ILO, we have proposed the establishment of a new international financing mechanism, the Global Fund for Social Protection, and the International Labour Conference in June 2021 voted a resolution asking the International Labour Office to study how this fund could be put in place. The idea is very simple. Countries who pledge to establish social protection flaws, protecting their populations from the risks of existence, from um, birth to death, from child allowances and maternity benefits to old age pension and including unemployment benefits, uh, sickness uh, benefits and so on. These countries, if they present a credible plan to finance social protection with support from the international community, should be able to receive such support. And they should, of course, also commit to invest by mobilizing domestic resources to protect their population from life risks and combined International support and the mobilization of domestic resources should allow these countries to implement sustainable development goal number one, the eradication of poverty, one of the targets of which is target one three about the universalization of social protection flaws. That is something we can achieve provided the political will is there and provided we make this a priority for the international community. Do you think that the eradication of poverty by 2030 is possible? Given the food and energy crisis we are going through, the, the costs of living crisis that all countries are experiencing, of course, there is little room for being optimistic. Um, the latest estimate is that the number of people in extreme poverty will increase by perhaps 95 million in comparison to the forecasts of 2019 as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic plus the food and energy crisis we are witnessing today. At the same time, these crises are a unique opportunity for countries to realize that there are many gaps in their social protection system. And I'm impressed by the fact that many countries have adopted social protection measures, expanding existing schemes or putting in place new schemes that were not existing before the crisis. And 
there is a renewed interest of governments in protecting their populations uh, through social protection. So I believe this is an opportunity that can be seized if we provide the right funding, if we adopt a rights-based approach to social protection, providing people with entitlements they may claim and ensuring that governments feel that they have duties towards people in poverty, yes, we can um, significantly uh, reduce poverty, if not eradicated by 2030, at least make significant progress towards this objective.